Hey guys, welcome back to the T-Wood Show. I'm your host, Travis Woodham, and let's talk some soccer. I know the World Cup just came to a close on Sunday as France beat out Croatia 4-2. It was a spectacular game, full of goals, and I was hoping for that because everybody was kind of seeing a 1-1 game, but even though there were 1-1 games in the group stages, or you know, 0-0, there's only one 0-0 game, but it's been very entertaining. I feel like everybody should agree with me on that. Uh, really a very entertaining World Cup. Uh, but we're going to dive in a little bit and recap the World Cup just real quick. Recap it a little bit. And then we're going to dive into the United States men's national team and what's next for them. As we got the next uh, 2022 World Cup in Qatar, uh, which, mind you, is going to be playing in December. Uh, so MLS seasons are basically wrapped up by that point. But the EPL is basically kind of midway in there for the for the winter break. So it's definitely going to be a little bit different, I feel like, in Qatar. Um, but we're going to talk kind of what the next steps are for the United States men's national team and how they can maybe win it. Who knows? Do I dare say they can win it? I don't know. Nobody really knows, but let's talk about that. Uh, so we got very special guests here. I got two co-workers of mine. From my company I work for at 323 Sports. Um, and their names are as follows. We got Brock Cavanaugh and we got Emmanuel Baysmore. Two soccer lovers just like me and you, or else you wouldn't be listening to this podcast unless you're family. Um, but these guys really do enjoy playing soccer. But Brock, let's talk let's start with you. Tell us a, a little bit about who you are. Where'd you go to college? How'd you fall in love with the game of soccer? Sure. Um, so I started playing soccer at seven years old and obviously didn't really understand it that much. It was just, uh, running around, chasing the ball around the field. Um, but as I got older and as, um, the premier league started being shown more and more on TV, just started watching it and, uh, fell in love with Manchester United because of, a, an old DVD that, that my dad had that we watched pretty often. And, uh, anyways, just kind of, kind of got into it, especially in the middle school years, um, ended up going to Pensacola Christian College. They didn't have a soccer team at the time, um, but they did have a competitive intramural program that I got to participate in. And now I, uh, you know, show off my skills on the weekends playing with uh, Travis on our little weekend league team out at uh, Tassel Men's Soccer. So try to run around, definitely not in the shape that I used to be, but I still have fun with it, you know. Exactly, and I believe you just shaved 11 pounds, or was it 13? It was 13 pounds and still on a journey to, to keep going. Want to get maybe another 10 or so. It's all about counting your calories, folks. That's all it comes down to. <laughs> You're exactly you. right. Now, Manny, or he goes by Manny. Is that right, Emmanuel? Yeah, that's, that's, that works perfect. <laughs> I love that. So, Manny, tell us a little bit about who you are. Where did you go to college? How did you fall in love with the game of soccer? Yeah, man, I mean, I've been playing since I was six um, started out a little Christian league then uh, went to club soccer, of course. Um, but yeah, I've, been, I've just been playing all my life. I love it. Um, uh, then played soccer in college, Gardner Webb University, uh, running Bulldogs. Um, and, you know, yeah, that's, that's that. pretty much it, really. I love that. Now, I, I really, it is a bummer, though, Manny, that you are not here in the office with us because you would definitely be playing on our adult league that oh play. yeah 100% for sure <laughs> yes and we actually just got brand new jerseys and if you guys are soccer coaches out there honestly if you're looking for uniforms 
the company that we work for, 323 Sports, we can definitely help you out. This is the first year that Brock and, Brock and I's team uh, finally got uniforms through our company with our company name on the front. I feel like that's a big deal. Yeah, we're sponsored now. I feel like that brings a little bit of legitimacy to the team. We finished in second place in our league the last two seasons, uh, just barely missing out uh, in one of those seasons, and then finishing in a pretty solid second place this past season. But uh, I think this fall we're, we're looking to, to make a little run of it and finally finish in first. And I think sponsored shirts are going to help us do that. It's going to give us the confidence we need. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. Don't you think, Manny, whenever you put on a fresh new jersey, you feel like you feel like a superstar, I feel like. You oh, know? Yeah. What do you oh, think? Yeah. I love it. I mean, I, and I just now, you know, looking at you guys' jerseys and everything, it makes me want to play. I don't, I, don't have the, I don't have that type of jersey and stuff, so, you know, I'm just going out there playing pickup soccer in Charlotte and things like that. So. And I will say, for me, I've always been, I wouldn't say I'm a superstitious person, but I, I definitely do things in the same order. I always put on my left sock first, okay. then right sock, huh. then left shin guard, right shin guard, then left cleat, right cleat. So it's getting in that mindset to just be a champion, you know. And then yeah. now that we got those fresh jerseys, I really think we're gonna we're gonna come out and send a message. I really think so. I really do think so about that. And you know who else sent a message? This World Cup was France. They did. I really feel <laughs> like now off the bat, Mbappe. Legend. I mean, he what? How old was he? Nineteen. He's nineteen. Just turned Man. nineteen. And it, it was funny to me that the commentators during the game after he scored that goal to kind of, you know, seal the deal, put the icing on the cake. The commentators were like, Kylian Mbappe, remember the name? And I'm like, I think people have heard of his name. You know, he's the second most expensive transfer of all time. PSG paid something like $175 million or something for him. Just absolutely nuts. And that was when he was had just turned 18. They paid that much for him. So I think people have heard of him, but if they hadn't, they had now. Oh. I mean, it's it's comparable to how Pele's stats were. When you look back at the, the last teenager to score in a final and a semifinal in the World Cup, that was none other than Pele, the greatest of all time. So, yeah. you know, I don't want to jump to conclusions too quick on this kid, but he looks like he's the real deal. I think yeah. so. What do you think, Manny? I mean, man, this kid is fast and just strong. Just like you. And, you know, he's six-something. He's got... He's got everything you need for a forward. And, right foot, left yeah. foot. I, he's just so dangerous. A little bit of an attitude, and you need that. Yeah. I feel like he's got a little bit of an edge to him. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. knows he has a talent, and he's going to just make his presence known. I feel like he did that for France in this World Cup. Now, let's talk a little bit about their journey, though. Uh, obviously, we're, I think we're all here, United States men's national team you know, fans. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we're born in America. Yeah, I think of course. Our, I think through our roots... We want to see the U.S. men's team do well. Oh, 100%. And the the French team played us going to the World Cup. So the send-off game in France was playing the U.S. men's national team. So really, I don't know if you should really analyze that game and just say, hey, is it because France tied with an unqualified team? Did that give them the extra boost to be like, all right, we almost got embarrassed. And I think we just need to take it to this World Cup and just run with it. There's no doubt. So here's the difference between a France and a Belgium. Belgium came into the tournament having not lost in like 16 straight games, won all three of their group stage games, won the knockout, won the quarterfinal, 
you know, got to the semifinal and hadn't lost, hadn't even tied in the World Cup. That's a lot of pressure to go through a whole tournament without a without a loss or a tie. I mean, that's difficult to do, and so there's a lot of pressure. I don't know. We might need to look up the the stats on that. If anybody's ever gone completely undefeated, picking up every point that they possibly could in an entire World Cup, France did tie one game in their group stage, but. They got that that nasty tie, which they would pr- probably consider a loss, considering it's USA's B or C team that we put out there. Now, of course, they're running around around trying not to get injured when they're playing us. They're focused on getting everybody a little bit of play, you know, playing time. It's a warm up game for them, but the fact that they tied, I think for sure, I think we're going to take a little bit of credit for that. I yeah. really mm-hmm. think that. I agree. You know, if, if that hadn't happened, if, if, you know, this kid who's never gotten an international appearance and goal comes in and has the game of his life, you know, some of these guys that have had just very few appearances come in, they, they hold their own. You know, of mm-hmm. course, there's, there's more motivation for us than there was for them. But had France not been able to get that draw with us, I think for sure uh, that puts a little bit more pressure on them not getting that bad game out of the way. I know? agree. Yeah. Manny, what are your thoughts about yeah. France beating Croatia in the final? I mean, Croatia was a really good team. I felt like they were the midfield with Rakitic and Modric. I mean, they just tore it up this World Cup. And I feel like they were really deserving to be there. I felt both teams were really well-deserved to be in a final. I don't think it was a fluke or anything. But... Do you really think that Croatia would have made it that far? I mean, before the World Cup, did you really think they would go that far? No, honestly, I didn't. Um, uh, first off, I love Luka Modric. First off, yeah. I, the guy's awesome. Um, and I, yeah, I didn't think I didn't think they honestly I didn't think they'd make it that far. Um, uh, playing France in the finals, um, I was I was a hundred percent rooting for Croatia, honestly. And um, and, they, and like I think France? they and I think they played well. Yeah. In the beginning, I think uh, I think they were uh, they were both equal match. Uh, they put um, Croatia had the was you know oh, had yeah. the possession, and um, so but I mean France just with you know Mbappe Pogba, um, you know they I mean those are those are some star players right there. And yeah, I think. let's talk a little bit about Pogba too. Mm. Um, he was really I feel like a key piece in France's run in this World Cup. Yeah, because if you notice. He, you know, obviously he's a little bit of a diva. I mean, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He, I feel like he's a very emotional player, very physical. Mm-hmm. And France so. needed that in the midfield. And you could tell Pogba is a, he likes the spotlight, but I really respect him for kind of just letting the team just gel and mix. Instead of him taking all the glory, just, you know, doing these crazy moves. But I feel like he just did a lot of the dirty work. That needed yeah. to be done by a midfielder. Yeah. Don't you agree? Yeah, so with Manchester United, there's a lot of a, a focus on him, of course, with his price tag and how at one point he was the most expensive transfer of all time. You know, coming back, Manchester United actually let Pogba go for free when he was 18 years old. His contract expired. He wouldn't sign an extension because he was ready to play in the first team. Sir Alex Ferguson at the time didn't think he was quite ready, so Pogba and his agent decided to go find a big team that would play him. Juventus said, of course, you would get playing time with us, and he became one of the best center midfielders in the world at Juventus. Manchester United swallowed their pride and paid a world record fee to bring back somebody they had let go for free a couple years before. And there's so much pressure that comes with that. You're expected to score goals, and he's come out and said it before. He said... 
more is expected out of me than anybody else. I'm expected to score goals, get assists, and contribute defensively. And there's a lot of pressure on them. And I think with this France team, there's so much flair, there's so much pace, there's so much, so many playmakers there that they needed somebody, um, him and Conte, to just sit back and just run the midfield, clean up, distribute the ball. And I was so impressed, and it makes me excited for this upcoming season because we've seen Pogba do something that he didn't like doing in Manchester United. Mourinho tried to play him as a holding mid right next to Modic. They tried to play next to each other, and he wanted him to contribute more defensively, and Pogba didn't like doing that. But I think a lot of credit does go to Mourinho because he instilled that in him. Had he not forced Pogba to do that throughout the season, I don't know if he could have done that so well for France. If you look at that pass that he played just before his goal when he sent Mbappe with a half volley and sent it 50 yards on a laser down the field, I mean, that doesn't happen when you're an advanced playmaker. He's sitting back doing the dirty work, collecting the ball, and then just distributing it. And his his role that he played for the team was just, it can't go, you know, Mm -hmm. unnoticed. That's for sure. Yeah, and I feel like whenever you see a good player, um, I think you notice a good player even more when they can understand different roles in different right. situations. Right. And yeah. I think Pogba is that type of player. He can do that. Yeah. He can kind of flip a switch and be like, you know what? This World Cup is bigger than me, personally. Right. right. And I don't want France to win this. Obviously, I want to win. Right. But he really, like you said. It showed so much maturity. And you yeah. forget that the dude's like 24, 25 years old right now. Yeah. It's unbelievable that he can... He can do that, and he says, you know what, I'm going to put my country in front of myself. I'm going to let Griezmann, I'm going to let Mbappe, I'm going to let Giroud, even though he didn't score a goal the whole tournament, I'm going to let them be those offensive focal points, and I'm going to sit back, and and I'm going to do my job and do my role and lead. And I was just huge. It makes me excited as a Manchester United fan for this upcoming season. I don't think he necessarily will play that exact role for us, but he showed that he's willing to step up and be that leader that I think he needs to be, and I think yeah. that he can be. And I think you're right. Now, you mentioned Manchester United, and I see in, uh, Manny over here. He he kind of cringes at the Man- Manchester United <laughs> phrasing. Is that right? Not, what, what kind no, of fan are you? I, I'm, bro, I'm just, you know, Brock loves Manchester United. That Who is, do you love, is, Manny? I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm okay. an Arsenal fan. Um, I, I liked Arsenal ever since Walcott. Um yeah. Just fast, fast dude, and, uh, and you know I'm the same way. I'm fast, so mm. I kind of fell in love with the guy. Um, now, what are your thoughts about Giroud? Uh, are you glad that he's kind of moved on, or listen? Um, this is this kind of goes back to that Sanchez move. Um, you know what? If they want to leave, let them leave. I don't care. Yeah. Okay, so that's okay. that's my that's my deal. Okay, Manny. So you you would rather have the chemistry you know be stuck with Arsenal because I know sometimes when guys who want to leave, they're and they're there they're one of they sometimes can be the rotten tomato with all the fresh ones, and can bring down everybody else with them. Yeah. So I, if you're I, the I, manager I, I, of Arsenal, you're like you know what, this leave. Yeah, I agree. Right. I mean. So I mean, how many other French players are on Arsenal's team? I think he was, and then uh, he's now at Chelsea. Is that correct? I honestly don't know. I mean, they've had a ton throughout the years. Arsene Wenger loved bringing in those French players. Yes, he did. A long time. Exactly. Now, we're going back to the World Cup win. Obviously, France won four to two against Croatia. Um, Let's talk a little bit about what's next for the United States. Mm. Um, And that's kind of the whole point of this podcast: is honest opinions about soccer in the USA, and. 
what initially when the United States didn't qualify, we're all just you know, we're mad. Okay, we're we're, we're really just kind of disappointed. Uh, we're in Concacaf. I mean, we really should qualify. Um, but that's kind of in the past. Now looking forward, looking forward for this team, the World Cup's over. We're still looking for a manager. That's a, that's a whole issue right there. Yeah. And I think they're very they're taking their time, and I appreciate them taking their time because I feel like this piece is going to be a major piece, obviously, yeah. in any team. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like it's going to be even the bigger role for whoever's coming in. Mm-hmm. I feel like it has a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. I don't think that pressure has really been there in the past because we've qualified the past, what, three or four World Cups? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because of our American culture, we like to win. In business, in politics, in anything, we want to win. Sports, same thing. I feel like there's a, there's a lot more pressure for this next manager. Would you guys agree? Yeah, I agree. I think uh, uh, for American soccer, this is this is just a good like, hey, time to refresh. Yeah. Re- hit that refresh button. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, playing France again that tie. I think that's something we can kind of move forward with. Yeah. Um, and everything. So, yeah, it's just it was obviously it was disappointing, but um, I mean, we always come back. Yeah. Listen, if we would have qualified for the World Cup, we'd be dealing with the same issues for the next four or eight years until the mm-hmm. next time that we don't qualify for a World Cup. Um, yeah. they, they'd get complacent. We'd keep the same coaching staff in. We'd mm-hmm. keep playing the exactly. same players. Um, so there's a silver lining, really. Right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think it was disappointing because, as you see, a country like Croatia that sets themselves up in a solid system – and plays together as a team and works hard and everybody works together, they find themselves in a World Cup final. And obviously we're nowhere near the talent level of a Croatia, mm-hmm. but there's not that much different when you know comparing America to Croatia as much as it would be to uh, Spain or one of these bigger countries, Brazil, you know, one of these big guys that is constantly in the finals and semifinals. We're not far off of that. So for this World Cup, it's a little bit disappointing because you always wonder that what if. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not taking the France game to realize we tied the world champs. Like, it's not anything <laughs> like that. I could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, but um, to see uh, you know some of these these countries, Russia, Sweden, making it into the, the latter stages of the World Cup, you never know what could have happened with our team. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, I do think it's a silver lining. I think that the best possible thing – uh, for our program and for our country as a whole was to, to finally step back and be like, look, we've made some changes recently, but it's obviously not good enough. We need to do even more. You know, we don't, we can't just um, do the bare minimums and keep using these same guys that are in their early 30s, mid 30s that have been playing forever. It's time to give some of these guys that are over there playing in Europe, which is, I know, something that you want to talk about, Travis, but um, these guys that are over there playing in Euro- Europe, playing in um, Germany and the Bundesliga and getting some experience over there, it's their time to step up to the national team uh, until the MLS can kind of keep developing and those youth academies can keep developing. It's time to get these kids that are that are um, cutting their teeth over overseas. It's time to get them their shot, and it's, it's time for a wake-up call. And I do think that the next manager, in my opinion, I think we need to go after somebody who's high-profile. I think I think, no, I, I, I really wouldn't <laughs> want him. Um, but that's just probably because of my Manchester United love. But Mexican? Um, the Mexican coach has been linked. I just think... Um, you know how loyal can you be to the American team yeah, when exactly. you're when you've been coaching and when your nationality is you know our heated rivals of course, 
But I really think we should go after one of these guys who's been a club manager for a long time, who's either um, stepped down from his job or he's looking for a challenge, somebody that wants to come and live in America for one, but also sees it as a project and sees we've got some good young talent. Um, but somebody that you know your average everyday soccer fan would hear of or would at least know, oh, he used to coach Real Madrid or he used to you know be involved with Barcelona. Somebody that mm-hmm. that could have that recognition, I think, is what we need. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I I think it is a key piece. But when it comes down to the nitty gritty, I think it's the players that you feel, and obviously those are managers. Those are managers' decisions, mm-hmm. right? But who are those? Who's the next generation for us? Twenty twenty two. I just can't see a Bradley in the midfield. No, no, I can't. of course not. Of course not. Yeah. I can't. I can't see. It I can't see a Yedlin. Maybe. Do I dare say that? Uh, but let, let me. I just, mean, I would like to see some Americans on the field. I mean, like some you know just, actual Americans. yeah some Americans. I mean, okay. You know, so is Yedlin really an American? I think he is. It's, yeah, I mean they they are they are Americans, of course. You just yeah. get you got Klinsman that comes in and wants to use as many German Americans exactly. as he possibly can. Exactly. And, you know we're we're definitely trying to get it seems like recently Mexican Americans are the next ones that we're really mm-hmm. looking for. But it'd be nice to see more Christian Pulisic's that are yes. from Hershey, Pennsylvania. You know, as American yes. as it Homegrown. gets, you know, that are coming in and representing the team. I'd love to see that. Yeah, now, I will, same. Yeah, I want to comment on that just a little bit before I read off kind of the roster of what's, um, you know, Fox Soccer has and, and goal and different different sources that kind of have their lineups, what it looks like for 2022. But before I get there, I just want to say, too, these German-Americans, I, I, I will say that they, it's almost an uphill battle for them to say how passionate they are about USA. Because I think us here in stateside, we almost think, oh, you're German-American, you're not as passionate. Listen, they, they weren't able to make it for their country. Like they, The reason that they're you know, even taking on that like secondary citizenship or whatever, going with, you know, because their, their mom or dad or grandma or grandpa was American at one point, is because they weren't good enough to play for their country. And so when you're trying to give an interview for your national team and, you know, express your disappointment, but you can't, you know, you can't come out and speak the native language. Like, you can't speak English when you're giving your interview and you're playing for America. That's, That's a, a big problem. deal to you. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. I think there's some people out there, too, that just, they have blinders on and they believe anything that people say. Like just podcast, I think you should believe everything that we say on this podcast, guys. Mm. No, just Nothing kidding. Because <laughs> it's honest opinions. That's why we talk about it. And I want mm. you guys to join the conversations. Please email me at thetwoodshow at gmail.com or go on my Facebook, Travis Woodham. You can find me there as well as Instagram, my Instagram handle, Travis Woodham. Let me know. But, man, you have something to say, I feel like. Go ahead and say this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a little frustrating. I mean, um, playing in college. You know, um, we 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 had a starting eleven, and more than half of the, that starting eleven were were foreigners. And I mean, I think it's a little frustrating, you know, when American kids are playing and and all that. And um, we we want to come to college, and we we want to start, we want to play, we want to play soccer. But instead, we have these. Uh, you know, foreigners, and I'm not saying that's bad. I I freaking love foreigners. I promise you, I freaking Can you love trust? these guys. Yes, I love them. You know, but it 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 you know it does suck when you you know you're playing it. You want you come you're here in America and you want to go to college and play soccer and yeah. Uh, you know, a kid that's been playing you know his whole life has probably been bred up in soccer and academy you know um, programs and things like that and comes over here and you know 
can obviously, you know, right. move the ball and everything and stuff like that. I just think it's a little frustrating we have coming pe- from my part. We have people that we're picking for the national team that have been good NCAA players. The point is other in other countries, if you're not getting if you're not playing professionally mm-hmm. until you're twenty one or twenty two, you've missed the boat. Like you're too late. You're yeah. gone. You know, you, you gotta be eighteen or nineteen getting mm-hmm. your debut for your you know, even if it's for like a second tier German club or, you know, a third tier English club, playing professionally is so much different than playing even high-level Division I NCAA. It's too late to get drafted after your senior year mm-hmm. you know, of, of college yeah. and then start playing professionally. It's just too late. You know, I look at a Jordan Morris or one of these guys, obviously a fantastic college player and, and a great player in his own right, but mm-hmm. you look at him, his technical ability and stuff like that, it's nowhere near some of these 17-year-olds that yeah. Spain and some of these other countries are producing. Mm-hmm. And until America gets over this fetish that we have for fast strong uh physical players and stop you know my biggest frustration when being involved with with coaching youth soccer and even coaching at the high school level uh, at raleigh christian academy i get so frustrated when people put their their two fastest kids one back on center defense and one at striker and they kick the ball as hard as they can up to the fast kid and he outruns everybody Mm -hmm. and that's how they score their goals you do what it takes to win sure but when that's what we're looking for, when we're looking, looking for the biggest, fastest kids, even down at the 9- and 10-year-old level, the kids that hit their growth spurt early and are just outrunning and outmuscling everybody, nobody's benefiting from that. We need to start developing where, you know, it, you if you're that big when you're 10 years old, start playing with the 13-year-olds and develop the technical side of stuff. Agreed. So now you're good at both. You know, now you're physical and have that technical ability. But that starts all the way down at the bottom. So I want to see... You know, somebody come in that's running the the national, the entire program, not just the team, but the whole program. Somebody that comes in and just puts that focus and shifts that focus away from, you mentioned it earlier, Americans, we love winning. Mm -hmm. So when we have our coaches coaching seven-year-olds and they got a kid who's already bigger and faster than everybody, and it's get the ball to Billy and let him run everybody over. Until we get that whole philosophy out of our mind, like, okay, let's put Billy out on the wing so he can develop some touch and, and his ability to cross the ball. Or let's, you know, put him back on defense or put him in goal just to get everybody else some touches. Let's start looking for the next Xavi, the next Iniesta that can control the ball. Even though he's only going to be five foot eight and tiny and skinny, he can control the ball. That's the players we need to be looking for. I agree, Brock. And we can do a whole nother podcast segment coming up later. And we're probably going to. That we're we're going to have strictly strictly on just you United States youth development. Yes. That's going to be like the main that. point of the podcast. Yeah. But uh, I love everything that's being said right I'll now. I'll be back for that one. For yeah, us. we'll be back for that. And Manny, you can yeah, be we'll definitely like be on the phone yeah. for this. But anyway, what's what's kind of just re- get right right back to the United States. Obviously, they're still looking for a manager, right? Sure. Uh, but let me just read a little bit of the roster and some of these names. So this is and the predicted twenty twenty two lineup. This is okay. I, this is let me just read this website here. Um, th- this is gold dot com. This is the projecting the two thousand twenty two U S World Cup squad. Okay. Okay. According to gold dot com, this is what they have. Uh, starting out with goalkeepers, uh, they got Zach Steffen, Bill Hamid, Jonathan Klinsman. Okay, Jurgen Klinsman's son. So, so Jurgen Klinsman's son okay. is on that roster. So Zach Steffen. Steffen's the one that looked good against France, Yes, correct? and he okay. had some great saves. Yep. 
So I, I actually would agree with, with even starting Zach Steffen. Okay. Um, I know Horvath, I think is his last name. Yeah, Ethan Horvath, yeah. Horvath. Uh, he's not on this roster, so that's a little surprising, but maybe not. I was think he, he has some blunders that, against yeah, Portugal. That's right. That was him. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I really like Zach Steffen. Um, but let's get to the defenders real quick. DeAndre Yedlin. Okay. Love the guy. He is actually one of the older players on a yeah, roster, believe it or not. Uh, Matt Miazga. Mm-hmm. John Brooks, Cam- Cameron Carter-Vickers, Eric Palmer-Brown, and Tony Robinson, Reggie Cannon, and Jeremy Toljan, I believe. I've not heard of the last two, but all those other ones are Premier League or Bundesliga defenders, which is exactly yeah, what we're looking like for. That. that goes back to my point. These guys go in and get some training there in the English League or the German League or the Spanish or wherever. Just go overseas because the MLS isn't there yet, and that's that's what they're looking at, and I like it. Yep. Midfielders. We got Christian, Christian Pulisic, or Pulisic. How do you say it, I don't it, think it was that one. It's I don't Pulisic. think it was that second one. It's Pulisic? Pulisic? I, thought, I say Pulisic. I say Pulisic. Okay, good. But what do you guys say? Please email me with a voice recording of you saying Pulisic. <laughs> Christian I think Pulisic. We're, I think we're cutting that. <laughs> no, we're definitely keeping that. Tyler Adams, who, by the way, I just mentioned in my second episode, he just is being transferred to Red Bull's Leipzig in Germany, which is a big move for him. Yep. Uh, Weston McKinney, Schalke. Kellen Acosta, I believe he's playing for FEC Dallas. He'll get a move soon, I uh, think. But I think, yeah, I think he will get a move, which will be big. Christian Roldan, I believe for the Seattle Sounders, I believe is where he plays. Uh, Jonathan Aman, uh, I'm not familiar with him, to be honest with you guys. They're making a prediction of somebody that's getting a debut, because I don't think he's played yet, has he? I don't think so. I, I don't recognize that name. Uh, shame on me. But that's what the predictions of Goal.com says. Paul Areola, who plays for DC United, uh, he scored a screamer against uh, I think it was the Whitecaps. Wayne Rooney mm-hmm. with the assist as well, uh, and that was the the home opener at Audi Field, mm. which is amazing field by the way. DC United waited a long time for that, uh, but then the last one they have is Kenny Saif, which yep. he he actually has played a little bit. Yep. Um, I feel like it's it's a strong midfield. I yeah. think mm-hmm. Christian I feel will, will definitely be the leader of the group. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I would even see him being the captain. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, uh, but let's just move on to the forwards real quick. Uh, Bobby Wood, Josh Sargent, who I believe Josh actually plays for Werder Bremen, I believe. Uh, so we got a lot of guys representing Germany. Um, Tim Way, PSG. Uh, what, uh, he was there in Raleigh actually playing against Paraguay at Friendly. Uh, but he only played like five minutes. I was really kind of disappointed. I, I thought he would play a little bit more. Um, but I think he's he's got great potential. I think he needs to work on his finishing. Uh, mm-hmm. If he can really just be a clinical finisher for us, I think he's going to be a great player. Uh, but Josie Altador, he is also one of the older guys. But what are your thoughts on Josie Emmanuel? Like, is, uh, is he? Is, do you yeah, think he, he still he, has a knack for scoring he, goals? Or he, he is old. I mean, I mean, obviously, it's strong, again, strong another strong player that I think, uh, like Brock mentioned earlier, a guy that you know just. Can really muscle people off the ball and really kick the ball, so I mean, but I mean he he's an older guy and I and I, I don't know if we you know I I would want to use him, but I definitely looking to go for a 
yeah. you know, some younger guys. He has experience. I, I think that's he, what he brings. He's about the only person on that roster that was at, and John Brooks, that was at the last World Cup, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one that yeah. we back in uh, 14. Yeah. So I'm okay with him being a backup. I really yeah. like the look yeah. of Josh Sargent. I think a forward needs to be somebody who has a little bit of attitude, mm-hmm. and he definitely looks like he's a little, you know, definitely fi- Brock, a fiery redhead. Um, so I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see him. Bobby Wood. I, I can't knows? get over him a little. I, I feel like he needs. He struggled. So I read up a little bit on Bobby Wood. He, he's come back from ACL surgery, mm. and I feel like he's he's really made a push for himself, and he's gotten back on the Bundesliga. But she just signed a one-year loan. Uh, um, I believe he he got on loan from Hamburg to Hanover '96. So he's gonna be playing in the Bundesliga one, which is a big deal for Bobby, which I mentioned in my last podcast episode. Hmm. But he's come a long way. I think he's a fighter, but he's not a goal scorer. I, yeah. I just can't. He needs he needs this next cycle. It's be interesting to watch him. Mm-hmm. And Josh Sargent, I don't. It's going to be interesting to see who's going to be a starting forward in 2022. I almost mm-hmm. see Sargent coming in and being the type that can play your first 60, 70 minutes of a game, and you want him just bullying the back line mm-hmm. of the other team, and then bring in somebody like a Bobby Wood, just fast, who if you know if we're on the counterattack because the other team's looking for a goal or whatever, he's just those fresh legs, he's fast, he comes in. I could see something like that. I could see Altidore coming in if we need somebody else up yeah. there to hold the ball up and just be strong mm-hmm. and have that little bit of experience. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see. I'm really excited um, just to see the the whole development of the team because almost everybody that was listed there is not involved in the MLS. I think it's debatable as to whether you see that as a good thing or a problem at this point. It's a little bit of both. It's a good yeah. thing that – while the MLS is developing, that these guys aren't waiting around for it. They're, mm-hmm. They've decided to go overseas, and as soon as they turn 18 and can um, get a work visa to go overseas, they're doing it. Um, but, yeah, you know, you get that's also a problem with the MLS, yeah. that's a, that, that we can't develop our own players. We can't, you know, keep them homegrown. They're going to be leaving and having to go other places to get that extra level of experience. And that's, I think that's always going to be a struggle. I think that's why I wanted to start this podcast in the very beginning is to mm-hmm. discuss issues right there. And I think is, is the crux of the issue of the United States and its progression going forward. It's tough because you want to grow the local clubs mm-hmm. to eventually say, hey, we can feel a USA men's team, all from the MLS, be proud of it, and but yet compete. Mm. So right now we're in this progression of, hey, grow up in our academies, but then go over to Germany, Spain if you can, England maybe, get developed, be pushed with the best of the best. Come back only for the United States games and just put on a clinic. But the, I think there's a... There's an issue where you almost want the fans to kind of grow with you on state side. I know there's a ton of, you know, for instance, Pulisic plays in Germany for Dortmund. I'm sure there's a ton of USA fans who are just Dortmund fans. They're not MLS fans. Yeah. They're just not. Because I think the quality is getting better, but I don't think they're they're not to that point of a German league. They're not to that point of the Spanish or EPL. Yeah. But when is that time going to happen? How that's the issue that we're going to continue to talk about on this podcast. So listen to the next episode as we're wrapping this one up. 
But the next episode is really going to be talking about how can we meet in the middle with MLS um, academies producing quality talent. But by 2022 or 2026, say, hey, he doesn't have to go overseas to play because the competition is so good here in MLS. Mm -hmm. Can we say that by 2026? I wonder. It'll be interesting, especially with being able to host it and have it um, most of the games here in our country. Um, that's yeah. going to be the time to capitalize on its popularity and, and fans that really wouldn't have much time for soccer at this point to really get behind the national team. I think that was one of the devastating things about not making this previous World Cup is the interest that it was gaining. It, got, it gets yeah. kind of put to a standstill until that qualifying starts back up. Um, cause when they play in the Olympics, it's not as exciting. Mm-hmm. The gold right. cup, stuff like that. It's not as exciting, but I, I just think there's such a long way to go. And I think back to what I said earlier with these academies starting to look for the technical players, not mm-hmm. who's biggest, strongest, fastest, when we can change that mindset. And there's a lot of people that are already doing it. I'm not saying anything that's, that's brand new, but just as a, as a country and that this podcast being about just our opinions on stuff that's something that I want to see is not giving up on a kid because he's the smallest one on your team that mm-hmm. kid may be the one that can control the ball the best and and be a a little center midfielder that's that's running the show I mean you look at a Luka Modric and you look at some I've seen some of his childhood pictures that they showed of him yeah and He's a tiny little kid. Like you would never expect something like that. Like in the Messi Ameri- too. Yeah, and Messi, of course. And you you look at these guys, and you and from an American standpoint, if I'm looking across the soccer field, my first instinct is to be like, all right, who's the biggest, fastest kid out here? You know, you're not gonna notice that until you're looking and seeing their ability on the ball. And obviously, they're some of the world's best players now. And until we get that mindset fixed, I think yeah. it's gonna be a long road to go. My yeah. prediction is 2022. I think we'll qualify. I think it'd be a good thing to get out of the group stage. I think it'd be good for, especially with that predicted roster, only having two people that have World Cup experience. I think, um, you know, it, it'd be a good thing to get out of the group stage yes. and make it to the knockout round. Mm-hmm. I think 2026, we're targeting a quarterfinal, possibly a semifinal if we overachieve. And then probably 2030 being the first time that I think we could have a serious shot, um, you know, at, at going for, for a championship, winning the, winning, you know, the entire World Cup. But okay. Yeah. That's yeah. That's my prediction. And I like that, Manny. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, if you look at Sweden, you know they, um, all those guys. That, that I think that was their first time, um, coming into a World Cup. So I mean, I don't see why you know, uh, we have two guys that have been there before. So right. I don't see why you know going in we can't, we can't you know you know put up a fight you know get out of the get out of the group stage, and, you know maybe maybe wanna maybe we try to maybe try to um go up against a, you know a France or a um, or Germany, or maybe. Germany, you knock know. them out again. Yeah, you know, just you know, just something to uh, just put up a fight, you know, against these guys. And yeah, I I agree with Brock. Um, you know, kind of looking at that twenty thirty. That I think that where well, we yeah. can make a real push and stuff. Perfect. Um, but yeah, I love that. Now, guys, you can go ahead and and uh, you know feel free to message me on Messenger on Facebook about your thoughts, your predictions about the two thousand twenty two World Cup. Do you think the United States men's national team will qualify? For the 2022, and can they make it past the group stage? So, will they qualify? Is the first point obviously, but second of all, do you think they can make it past the group stage? Please let me know. Uh, would love to hear your opinion, and if you want to be on a show, let me know that as well. Love to have you as a guest interview 
Um, it's simple as just opening up your messenger. I'll do a voice call with you. We record it and you're on the podcast. So Brock and Manny, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It really was a good time. It was honest opinions about soccer um, and I really enjoyed it. So thank you so much. And guys, check out my other podcast episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher. I'm everywhere. So just check it out. Maybe give me some applause. I would love it. Thanks, guys. Peace out. See you next time.